And ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you will be witnesses for the Lord Jesus. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of God and what belongs to you because of the fact God has promised us his power. Thank you for joining me today. I love being with you. I mean that with all of my heart. I love this more than you know. Thank you for being my wonderful partner, God's wonderful family. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray you reveal to us today the beauty and the depth of your promises. To you be all the praise. And God's people said, Amen. Well, you know the promise of Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be, you'll be witnesses unto me, the Lord said, in Judea, Samaria, and the world. Now, why though? Why did Jesus promise this power? Well, the Holy Spirit wants to take what belongs to God and make it ours. Think about that. The Holy Spirit wants to take what belongs to the Lord and make it yours and mine. The power of God belongs to us because it's our birthright as believers. Just make sure to remember that part. It is your birthright to receive the power of God. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21, all things are yours. Not just the part of God, all things are yours. Think about this incredible promise. Let's go to 1 Corinthians real quickly. And let's look at chapter 3. What a beautiful salvation we have. And let's look at verse 21. I love it. Therefore let no man glory in man, for all things are yours. Verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ's and Christ is God's. So not only is the part of God yours, everything is yours. So we often claim, we often claim a very small part of, of what really, really belongs to us. We claim so little. A man wanted to see the ocean, who's never seen the ocean, so he said to a friend of his who was going to some ocean, he said, would you uh, show me what the ocean looks like? He said, okay, I will. So he, he went to the ocean and he found some little container like this, or uh, said big glass, and he took a part of the ocean, put it in that big glass, and took it back to his friend. He said, this is the ocean. Well, there wasn't really the ocean. <laughs> it was just a little part of the ocean. We ask for a cupful when the ocean is ours. Think about that. We're only asking for a cupful often when we say, Lord, give me this, give me this, give me that. When the ocean is ours, all things are yours, not just a cup full. So ye shall receive power. That's just a part of what belongs to you. 
Because Paul said, whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas, or the world, or life, I'm reading 1 Corinthians 3.22, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. It's ours for the claiming. And we claim so little today of what really God wants us to have, what belongs to us. So if we want to know all that is ours, then we have to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us and to impart that to us. And that's what I think the Lord really meant when he said, ye shall receive power. I don't think he meant just a portion. So we have to know God's word. We have to begin to use the word. We have to use it in prayer. And we have to know the power of God in our life. I like what belongs to us. Let's take the word and say, Lord, you promised it. And because you promised it, I'm asking for it. So let's look at the first thing that belongs to us. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Now we've read this verse, I'm sure, many times, and maybe people didn't pay attention to what Paul was really saying. Uh, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, that no man can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't think that Paul the, the apostle meant only what we say. Well, um, a lot of people have said Jesus is Lord, and they, they did not even know him. A lot of people still say that today. I was in India not a few years back. And people who were not Christians were saying, yeah, I believe Jesus is Lord. Means nothing. People from different kind of, like belonging to other religions would say that. But what did Paul really mean? He, mean, he meant that the Holy Spirit is the one who imparts that knowledge. So it's not mental. And it means to know him as Lord, not just to say Jesus is Lord. It's to know him as a Lord is really what he means here. So no one can say Jesus is Lord means no one can know him. Because how can you say, truly how can you say in your heart, Jesus is Lord without knowing him? So anybody can say anything. That doesn't mean they know him. And anyone who can really say Jesus is Lord would know the Lord, meaning that that person could, could not be taken over by a demon. Because to know Jesus and to know his Lordship is freedom from devils. It's freedom from the enemy. Because those who know the Lord cannot be possessed with a demon. Those who know the Lord cannot be oppressed with a demon because knowing the Lord is walking with the Lord in fellowship and intimacy. 
So how can someone say Jesus is Lord and be bound by some bondage? Because they don't know him. They don't know him. Like, you know, you, you ask unbelievers, do you believe Jesus is the, son of, is the Son of God? Yes. You believe he died on the cross? Yes. He rose from, from the dead? Yes. I was listening to a guy yesterday from Israel, a tour guide, who is not a Christian. He's not born, born again. He's just doing a video about the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And I like watching stuff sometimes from my own country. And he was saying, now, this is where Jesus died. He was saying that. This is where Jesus rose from the dead. He was pointing to the church. Ah, I thought to myself, here's a guide in Israel who says that, but does he really believe it? No, he just wanted to, to sell, he was trying to, to sell some cross he was holding in his hand so he can make money because people aren't going to Israel or haven't been going to Israel. And he's probably in need of money because he hasn't been guiding nobody in any tours. So they can say anything that they want. It doesn't mean that they know the Lord. And that is what belongs to us, that we can know the Lord. So you can say, like, you know, can someone say, let's say, well, my dad or my mom is so-and-so, without really knowing that? Of course they can't. So the Holy Spirit, number one, is the one who gives us the power to know the Lord. And Listen, even angels cannot know the Lord. They know the Lord only by watching the way he deals with you. And that's in the book of Ephesians that says, Now unto the, in, the intent, unto the principalities and powers, might be known by the church, by the church, God's manifold wisdom. So to know the Lord, is, is, that's the part of God that gives us that. Number two, what's, what is number two? Well, let's look at John 16. Oh, this is so marvelous, isn't it? John 16, and I'm going to read verse 8 to 11. And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin. The Lord Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, of righteousness, of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, you shall see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So what is the Lord saying? That the Holy Spirit gives us the power that men and women might know the truth about Jesus. Think about that you will have the power to declare to humanity who Jesus is, and they will be convicted of sin when you tell them. And through your testimony and words, they will come to know the Lord. That's incredible power to be able to tell someone, here's who Jesus is, and your words, like the apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, will convict those people to say, I need the Lord, I want to give him my life. What power you, th you think uh, in the words of Billy Graham, what power are in the words of Billy Graham when, when, he, when he had the great crusades, and I believe he was the greatest, frankly, in bringing the lost, to, to the Lord. What convicted those masses? It wasn't Billy Graham. It was the power of God in his life that convicted all those people sitting out there. Or in any crusade, in any meeting, it doesn't matter. It's not the words of a man or a woman. 
It's the power of God on that man's life, on that woman's life. That belongs to us, that we can bring change to the hearts of men. Think about how much money they spend on medication to change our heart. It doesn't work. Think about all the money people pay for psychiatrists and this and that. Doesn't, it doesn't work. Yet the power of God through someone's lips can change a life from going into destruction and can take them out of destruction into life by the power of the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? Chad was telling me about a young man who was being baptized this morning. They baptized him in the pool. And when he came out, he was a changed young man. What power is that? Is that the water? No, it's the power of God. Water doesn't change people's hearts. Come on. All they're doing, all they're doing is really getting wet. <laughs> so, the Bible is clear. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to see lives change. Think about that. Let's look at number three. Titus, Titus chapter three. Ooh, I like that. Titus chapter three. And we're going to look at verse five. It says what? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to give you and I the power to come alive, to be regenerated, and others through us, and to take our minds and let them be so full of God's truth that we would be renewed. Only the Holy Spirit can, can do that for us. And number four, I mean, I'm going to go through this just so I can show them to you. Look, look at Romans 8. Look at Romans 8. I mean, imagine what it means to be restored, totally restored. Restored means free from all the sins of the past and the bondage of the past and the darkness and death of the past and renewed by the power of God. Or Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Think about the power that can, that can deliver people from the law of sin and the law of death. Wow. People today uh, are living under the domination. People without Jesus are living under the power of sin, the domination of sin, and they cannot be free from it. They have no, no power to say no to the devil, but we do. What is that? It's the power of God in our lives. So when Jesus said, ye shall, you'll receive power, he didn't just mean something so you can witness. It's way more than that, way more than that. So we all know the power. We've all known the power of, of sin and the law of sin and death. We've lived under its domination for so long before our salvation. But God provided a way to escape for us as we surrendered to the Holy Spirit. A lot of people are still living in Romans 7 who belong to live and need to live in Romans 8. A lot of people are still not free from sin. They're in Romans chapter 7. Like Paul says, woe is me, you know, what, uh, what a wretched man I am. But they have to come to that place where there's now no condemnation in Christ. Like Romans 8 says, wow, hallelujah.
Number five. Number five is Ephesians 3. I love this one. I just love the Word of God. And I know you do too. Ephesians 3, we're going to read verse 16. In fact, let's just read right through verse 19. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by, the, by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God. And to know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The Holy Spirit wants to give us the power to be strengthened within continually, because that's what it says, to be strengthened with might in the inner man. He wants to give us, it says in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, only God the Holy Ghost can give us that. Being rooted and grounded in love. Think about our faith never weakening. Only the Holy Ghost can do that. And it says till we all be lifted to that fullness of God, to that place of fullness of God, that every prayer will be answered. Every prayer will be answered. Because the next thing you read after that is, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. That means every prayer will be answered when that power is released. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's so amazing. So here is the power of God that belongs to every one of us to live that kind of life. Strengthened in the inner man, our faith always abounding our hearts and lives full of the love of God, every prayer answered. That's power. Let's look at number six. All right, Romans chapter eight, chapter eight and verse 14. I pray you're writing all this down, and I'm praying you're really enjoying this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. What, what, what is this saying to me? That the power to be led is ours. Always making godly decisions. That's power. Always being led, always, and never being out of God's will. Can you imagine a life that is never out of God's will? That's always in the will of God? That's what it's talking about, to be, to be led. As many as are led means you're never out of God's will. You're always making the right decisions. Never living in bondage. To be led means no bondage. To be led means knowing no confusion. Think about how many people have confusion and bondage. Don't know what to do with their life. Because there's no power. Hallelujah. Okay. Sons of God. Sons of God means those who live like their daddy. <laughs> I love it. Those who live like their heavenly father. Sons of God. Those who imitate their heavenly father. Who live like their heavenly father. 
because that's what a, a son is. A son is one who's imitating his dad. Wouldn't you love that in your life? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, Galatians 4, 6. In fact, let's read Romans 8, 16 first, and then Galatians 4, 4 6. The Spirit himself bears witness. I worship you, Lord. I'm just getting blessed just by reading this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then Galatians. Oh, the word of God is so thrilling, so exciting, so life-changing. Galatians uh, 4.6. And in 4.6 it says this. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So think about when you and I live with the part of God in our lives, we live as children of God, meaning, meaning always trusting him, always dependent on him, because that's what it is to be a child of God. And because you are sons, because you're his children, you're trusting you're dependent on him. Always in fellowship with him. You can't be called a child of God. You can't be called the son of God and a daughter of God if you're out of fellowship. So here's power to always be trusting him, always be dependent on him, always walk in fellowship with him. That's the part of God. That's what it means to be a child of God. Number eight. I only have ten. So number eight. Number eight is Jude 20, because Jude 20 says, praying always in the Holy Ghost. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, that is also mentioned in Ephesians 6.18, that all prayers should be in the Spirit. So think about that you will have the power to change your own destiny and the destiny of humanity because God listens to your prayers and not somebody else's prayer. Praying in the Holy Ghost with all prayer and supplication, Ephesians 6, 18, praying in the Holy Ghost means that God is hearing that prayer and answering that prayer. That just like he answered the prayers of his son, he will answer your prayers. That's power. Think about how many people pray and don't get an answer because they're not walking with God and don't have the power of God in their life. So that prayer that is that is moved and inspired by the Holy Spirit, that's the prayer that God always answers every single time. That's power. All right, let's look at Philippians 3.3. I'm almost done, my wonderful partner and God's wonderful child. Philippians 3.3 says, We are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Think about the power God has given you and me to be able to worship Him truly, truly, that you are, you are, satisfying his precious heart. Because Jesus said the Father seeks those that worship in spirit, and you're that one who does. In spirit and truth. Uh, 
Someone said, someone said, in our prayers, we're taken up with our needs. In our thanksgiving, we are taken up with our blessings. In our worship, we are taken up with God himself. <laughs> I love that. Can I read that to you again? In our prayers, we're taken up with our needs. In our thanksgiving or praise, we are taken up with our blessings. With our worship, we are taken up with God himself, with Jesus himself. And that's why John 4, 23 says, The Father seeketh those who will worship him in spirit, because they're taken up in the wonder and the beauty of Jesus. Hallelujah. I was preaching for my kids on Sunday, and I thought about ministering to the Lord before you can minister for the Lord. You have to minister to the Lord. And now Samuel, at eight years old, ministered to the Lord and changed the whole nation. Think about what you and I can do if we minister to the Lord. When God wanted to destroy Israel, Moses understood one thing, worship him. And he did in Exodus 34, and God changed his mind about destroying Israel. Worship is so powerful. So, so powerful. But only by the Holy Spirit. And number 10 is Acts 13. Number 10 is Acts 13. I pray you have enjoyed this beautiful teaching. And so Acts 13, verse 2, 3, and 4 as they ministered, haha, I just mentioned that. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Cilicia, and from there or thence they sailed to Cyprus. So, the power that God has been given to us is to know our calling. You cannot know your calling without the power of God. Think about how many people go to schools, colleges, universities, and don't know their calling. And then they come out with some piece of paper and they fail because they haven't found their calling. Because to know your calling means victory in life. So to never doubt to never doubt where we fit in God's kingdom and purpose is to know our calling. To never question where you and I fit in God's kingdom and God's purpose. Why am I here? Why was I born? Revealed only by the power of the Holy Ghost. Father, in the name of Jesus, let them know your power that they might know what belongs to each one of them. In the glorious name, in the holy name of Jesus. Lift your hands and say, Lord, I am ready. Anoint me today. Fill me with your power today. Let me know all that belongs to me, Lord. In the glorious name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. It's time to give to the Lord's work. You know, every day I minister the word to you. And since I give you spiritual treasures, it is our duty, the Bible tells us, to give to the Lord's work our finances. And God will bless us for that. God will 
gloriously blessed for them. Because see, the Bible says, they who preach the gospel live by the gospel. So I, I cannot do what I'm doing if I don't have people to support the ministry God gave me. And when you support the Lord's work in whatever ministry is touching your life, God promises to bless you financially, to secure your future, to bless your children financially, to bless their future financially. Because giving is the law of God. Giving is not God's suggestion. Giving is the law of God. And when we obey this law, we trigger the harvest. The blessings begin to come our way. So you can't be a receiver without being a giver. Only giving produces receiving. Hallelujah. And that's why Paul said it's more blessed to give than to receive because when you give, you please God that he will bless you over and over and over with way more than just receiving at one time. Because giving touches the heart of God. He loves a cheerful giver. And if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. means abundantly. So do it today. And trust God to meet all your financial needs because he loves you. And Lord, meet that need financially. Oh, dear Jesus, I know right now there's someone watching who needs a financial miracle. Lord, give them that financial miracle this Tuesday, Lord, and this week in Jesus' holy name, I give you praise. Meet that need and give them peace. All is well. All is well. Amen. Okay, you can sow your seed now on the platform you're watching me on. Or you can go to our website, benihim.org. Or you can simply text BHM45777. And don't forget to pre-order my book, my new book, Mysteries of the Anointing, published by Charisma House. Very powerful book on the anointing. Very powerful. It'll be in bookstores April, uh, the first week in April. But, if, you know, go to your bookstore and put your order in already. And it's called Mysteries of the Anointing. Okay, much love. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.